Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Hey, we're online now, so i got to straighten up. So, hey, welcome everybody that's tuning in online. Glad that you're here today. And again, we're going to have an amazing service. And I'm just excited for just some things that God put in my heart. Uh, I had the opportunity to go away uh, this past week doing a little bit of hunting and uh, had no luck or success. But, man, I'm telling you what, I just had a good time fellowshipping with the Lord, uh, getting out into the woods. And uh, during that time, I believe that the Lord just gave me some things to share with you. And I just, I, I, just I'll forewarn you. Uh, I'm going to pick at you today, all right? I'm going to challenge you today. And, and that's just kind of my nature. I don't know why that's my nature. Uh, I just, I, sometimes I just like to pick. And uh, again, sometimes my picking is to provoke you. And, and if I can provoke you to move, again, maybe you'll begin to adjust some things where you'll see God show up in your life. How many of you know that sometimes we just need to be poked and prodded because we get awful comfortable with where we're at sometimes? Hello? Amen. I mean, we don't get, you know, 50 pounds overweight by being uncomfortable, man. We've gotten comfortable somehow, right? It got a little, you know, I was a little nervous going up hunting because my wife packed all these goodies for me. And uh, I thought, man, I'm going to sit here and just eat all this junk food and get fat, you know, or fatter by the time I get back. But then I did a lot of walking while I was out there, so I think I actually lost a few pounds. I, I was sharing with one of the guys in here today, I said, uh, I, I uh, had a, a part, a spot that I was going to go hunting, and I marked it on my GPS, and it was probably only an eighth of a mile to walk there, but somehow I just got turned around in my GPS, and I ended up walking about a half mile. Well, I thought, you know, it's only a short way, way so I'll just wear all my hot, you know, uh, heavy clothes to stay warm. Well, you don't do that when you're walking a long ways. Well, so by the time I got done walking, I was sopping wet. My hair was soaked. I, had a t I peeled everything off except my T-shirt standing in the tree. And I'm sitting there just like, this is just crazy. So anyways, enough said. Praise the Lord. <laughs> had a good time when I was out hunting this week. Praise God. Amen. Well, hey, listen, uh, uh, there was a study that was done just recently. Uh, a minister friend of mine shared this with me. Uh, he's got a ministry that deals, uh, he provides resources for pastors and ministries and churches. And so uh, there was a survey that was done, and I found it very interesting. And there was a poll that was taken uh, amongst evangelical churches. So it's churches like ours. And in the midst of this survey that they took, there was two questions that they asked. The first question was this. It said that Jesus was the greatest creation that God 
had ever made. And so their uh, response was, agree, disagree, or unsure. And so in regards to that first question, the survey showed that 53% of people agreed. 12% of people disagreed. The second question was this, that Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't God. 52% said they agreed. 12% said they were unsure. Now, in those questions, maybe you were listening to them and uh, maybe you responded in a way and maybe you were uncertain yourself in regards to those particular questions that were, were, were asked. And that's okay if you don't know the right answer when it comes to those questions that I shared with you. Because here's the thing. You can discover that Jesus loves you and that God loves you and sent Jesus to die for your sins. And therefore, because of a stirring in your heart, you can say, I want to receive Jesus and you can become a Christian, but still not know a lot about the Bible or about just this Christian walk. We understand that, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that we can all grow. But more importantly, this message is to help pinpoint or locate where we're all at. So let me go back to those questions. The first question was this, that Jesus was the greatest creation that God ever made. The second one was that Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't God. Based on those two questions and the responses to those questions shows us that 65% of the church Churches like ours do not know who Jesus is. Let me say that again. They know what Jesus came to do, to die on the cross. They receive salvation, but they don't know who Jesus is. We say, well, why is that? Well, because God never created Jesus. Jesus always was. Jesus is God. He's the second individual of the Godhead. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he always was. He never was created. And furthermore, again, he was a great teacher, but he was God in the flesh. Amen? And so once again, what that begins to locate, it begins to locate that we really don't know who Jesus is. And I want to provoke you today to lean in and begin to pursue God and pursue who Jesus is in a personal relationship of knowing Him. So, last week I shared this with you. We talked about Jesus being the healer. We just had an amazing testimony this morning in our team rally that they said that they just began to thank God. And they said literally they felt the healing power of God begin to minister to their body and all the pain leave their body. And he said the pain hadn't even been back since. Amen. So again, the hearing of the word begins to bring revelation and understanding and light in who Jesus is. And upon knowing who he is, we can receive from him. And so, last week I shared this verse with you, and I want to share it again. Over in Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 4 and 5, it says, But in fact, He, speaking of Jesus, has borne or taken our griefs and has carried our sorrows and our pains. Yet we ignorantly assumed that He was stricken, struck down by God, and degraded and humiliated by Him. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for the weakness of our sins, our injustice, and our wrongdoing. 
The punishment required for our well-being fell on Him. And by His stripes, His wounds, we are healed. That scripture tells us that Jesus took our grief, took our sorrows, took our sickness and disease, took our anxiety and our depression. He paid the price for it, and by His stripes, we are healed. So if we are, then I am. Let me say it again. If he said, if the scripture says that we are, then that means that we am or I am. The healed of the Lord. Right? All right, now obviously God is speaking to those that are followers of him. That are Christian individuals, right? So, if Jesus carried, bore, or took our sickness and our disease... If Jesus took our anxiety and our depression, then where did it go? Is there any left? Again, I'm asking you a question. I want to provoke you a little bit to think this morning. If Jesus took it, if He took our sickness and our disease, if it's no longer there, then is there anything or any left. But then our response would be, but listen, I know that there's a lot of Christians that are sick. I know that there's a lot of Christians that have, have died from diseases. And so you got to ask the question, why? Could it be that the reason why so many believers and Christians either are sick or die from sickness is simply this. They believe in the sickness and disease. The Bible says, Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. So is it possible that sickness and disease can have power to infect and affect our lives simply because we believe in the power that sickness and disease presents itself as having. You might say, well, you're being awful negative this morning, Pastor. Well, listen, we live in a negative world, don't we? I said we live in a negative world. We are surrounded by negativity. You don't have to look far to find negativity. Just turn on the news. Let's just turn on the, the media thread and begin to watch and listen. And what do you begin to hear? You begin to hear nothing but negativity, right? <clears throat> and how many of you know negativity draws negativity to it? And how many of you would identify and say it's easy to be negative? Come on. It's easy to be negative, isn't it? And so if it's easy to be negative, and why? It's because it's part of our flesh man, the fallen nature of man. And therefore, if the whole world is full of negativity, then it's really easy for negativity to draw negativity out of us, right? So can it be that, again, 
If I believe in the power of sickness and disease, then there must be some unbelief in what God said He did through Jesus. Because once again, remember Jesus said this, I came to do mighty works, he said, but I could only heal a few sick folk. I couldn't do any mighty works because of their unbelief. So Jesus said their unbelief or their doubting restricted them from receiving what I had for them. So therefore, what that tells us once again is that we must have a belief system in the power of sickness and disease, and there must be an unbelief or a doubting side to us in that God said, I've got a power to set you free or make you whole. Come on, does that make sense? And once again, this isn't trying to uh, uh, poke or prod to make you feel bad or, or convict you or make you feel condemned. No, this is to locate where we're at. If we can locate where we're at, then we can change our position. Right? I just told you about getting lost in the woods or turned around. It's simply because I didn't really know exactly where I was. I got there eventually. I've moved my location. It took a little bit of effort to get where I needed to go. But once again, if we can identify or locate ourselves where we're at in our belief with God, we can begin to change our GPS location and move to the answer of God's power being more than enough to meet our needs. Amen? Because once again, Jesus said that that's what I came to do, is to do the will of the Father. Once again, in this world that we live, it's easy to doubt. It's easy to have fear. You know the saying, I'll believe it if I see it. Right? I'll believe it if I see it. But what do we see all around us? Negativity. What do we see all around us? People that are getting sick. How in the world did COVID have the power to empty out the church and still keep people full of fear in the church when we serve the living God? It's because we've seen some circumstances or outcomes of sickness and therefore we've begun to believe it. If we've begun to believe in the power of sickness, then at some point, in some fashion, we've begun to doubt the power of God. Now, if we are good doubters, if it's easy to be negative, then why don't we just choose to flip the tables? If doubt can keep me away from the power of God, why don't I just purpose to doubt sickness and disease? If my doubt can keep me from the power of God, then maybe my doubt can keep me from the power of sickness and disease. Ah, the doctor says, oh, you've got this, and you can simply say on the inside, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Am I telling you to be silly with the doctor? No. If, the person, if that doctor's not a Christian, he'll just think you're a weirdo. Right? But you get a bad report, all you have to do is say, I doubt that. I don't believe that. 
Why? I, I choose to not believe. I choose to doubt that you sickness have any hold on me because I believe in the power of God that He said He took my sickness and my disease. And therefore, I am healed. Amen. And again, we're just learning to turn the tables on the devil. What if we just simply started to doubt sickness and disease? Let me give you an example. There's a, a minister friend of, of, of ours, and he was sharing this story. He, he said that there was a mother-in-law. How many of you got good mother-in-laws? It's just, this, <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah. Just keep it positive, man. Let's not get negative about this. So he was talking about his mother-in-law, and his mother-in-law was you know, kind of one of those uh, negative individuals. And she was an individual that always liked to have attention from the family. And so this mother-in-law began to say, I'm going to be the next one to get cancer in the family. And so the family obviously said, Mom, don't say that. Don't talk like that. Well, because Mom liked the attention... She was getting feedback from the family. They were just kind of catering to her based on the things that she was saying. She just kept on saying it. Well, you know, I'm going to be the next one to get cancer. And you know what happened? She got cancer. But then, just after she was diagnosed with cancer, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so, as the Alzheimer's began to progress, she started losing her mental faculty. She stopped remembering. And then all of a sudden, one day when she went to the doctor, they discovered the cancer had disappeared. Huh. Isn't it interesting that you, you lost the capacity to continue to think on and dwell on sickness and disease, and once you stopped giving attention to sickness and disease, the sickness and disease disappeared. Amen? Told you I'm going to challenge your religion this morning. <coughs> Why? Because there is a power available through what Jesus came to do. There is a excuse me a relation <coughs> excuse me. There is a relationship that we can have with Him. That there is an experience we can have in knowing Him. I said there is a relationship that we can have in knowing Him, and it's a matter of purposing. <coughs> To cultivate, cultivate that relationship. Give me a second. <coughs> huh, excuse me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So I'm good for now. Thank you. Um, where was that? So I said that we're used to being negative, right? We're used to being bombarded with negativity. And just by human nature, it's easy to lean towards the negative side of life. And I know that with any of you in, in this room, I could start a conversation with you. And if we were to get into a specific, specific uh, place, you could begin to get negative, And based on whatever it is that's pushing your buttons, we could talk for a long time about those things that just irritate you. Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Listen. I'm a pastor, but I can tell you there are some things that get under my skin, and we could have a good conversation, and I could talk a long time about it if you just give me the time. 
right? And we all could be that way. But now, if I were to say, if I was to randomly just call somebody up and say, come up here on the platform. Well, let me, let me not do that because, again, that would put, your, put the pressure on being in front of people. Let's just say, for instance, I was to say to one of you, let's go have coffee. It's just a quiet place, a little restaurant. We're just having coffee. And I said to you, share with me on the goodness of God. Tell me what God is doing in your life. Talk to me about the encounters that you're having with God. Tell me what God has been talking to you about. Tell me about your experiences and what you've been experiencing with God. Sadly, your conversation, and again, this isn't everybody, but a good majority would probably run out of things to say within 30 to 60 seconds. See, I said we're going to locate ourselves. This isn't just about you. This is me too. See, what are we giving ourselves attention to? What are we investing our time? What are we giving focus to? See, that's why sickness and disease and so many things in this natural world have such an influence. It's because we've invested so much time in thinking and talking, investing emotions to the point where we are <clears throat> excuse me, fearful of the power of those things that Jesus said He set us free from. But oh, if we could cultivate an understanding and cultivate a relationship that we begin to know Him. And the power of His resurrection. Oh, how we would live a different life. Amen? How you do life is how you do faith. How you do life is how you do faith. If you're struggling in your faith walk with God in knowing Him, then let's back up and look at and examine how you do life. Because however you do life is how you'll do faith. So in other words, if you give yourselves to all kinds of natural things, if you feed on all kinds of natural things, and your encounter and your experience with God or your relationship is reduced to this maybe one time a month you come to church, then once again you're going to understand that, listen, I've invested more time in the natural things of life versus my relationship with God. Can somebody say amen? Again, to use a natural example to express that, what about a, a, a marriage? How do you have a good marriage? Do good marriages exist simply because we married the right person? Or because we've got good jobs and got good money? No. If we're going to have a good marriage, it's going to take time, is it not? It's going to take time investing in one another. Right? It's not going to just merely being in the same room with somebody. Because once again, uh, I can be in the living room with my wife. And we're watching TV. Or she says, let's put on a good movie. And we start watching the movie. And she says to me just a short while later, are you even watching the movie? It's over there on your phone. What are you doing? So I'm in the same room with her. But we're not really engaging together in the movie or anything, right? So again, just living in the same house does not mean that you're engaging or cultivating a relationship. It takes time. It takes an investment into the relationship, does it not? To get to know her and her to know me. When I came home yesterday afternoon from hunting, one of the things that she said to me, she said, give me a hug. And I hugged her. She says, I've missed you. I'm glad you're home. Well, man, that just totally repelled me. I'm like, 
Just get away from me. No, I didn't say that. No, what's it? It draws me in because of how she engages or embraces me, right? So what, it, what, what does it involve? It takes time. But then time creates tangibility, does it not? The more time that I've spent with my wife, it creates a tangibility. In fact, I remember when we first started dating. I mean, this is 25 years ago or so. We, we uh, started dating while we were in Bible college. And when we were, began dating, we met at school. And then that week there was prayer at church. And so we were meeting each other at prayer. Then we would go in afterwards. And back then there was like Denny's and Tippins, And they were places that stayed open real late. And so you could go and talk and have coffee. And you could talk and talk and have fun. You know, hold hands and all that good stuff. And then you got to go to school the next morning. And so you've only had a couple hours of sleep. And then you go to school the next morning. And then you go to prayer the next night. And then they started having meetings in the evening. And so you're running all day, all night, because you're just so wanting to just invest time. <laughs> and it becomes a tangible relationship, does it not? I mean, we invested so much time, I, I got sick. I wasn't getting any sleep. Now, don't hear me. I didn't say my wife made me sick. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm just saying I was so interested in spending time and having tangible uh, interaction with her, right? Then what did it create? It created experiences, right? It created shared experiences. So why is it that we seem to not have a real tangible relationship with God? Because a relationship requires time, tangibility, and shared experiences. So when I ask you the question, share with me, what's God doing in your life? What's he talking to you about? Share some encounters. If we don't have anything to say other than, well, I went to church last week, then once again, we've not invested time in a relationship to experience and know God the way that he desires for us to know. Because there is a tangible relationship that God wants us to have. I said to you that when I was dating my wife, I said, uh, I got sick. Why did I get sick? Because at that moment in time, it wasn't about me. It was about her. I just wanted to spend time with her. And I, and I neglected myself because I wanted to spend time with her. Do you know when you spend time with God... You'll stop praying for yourself. Why? Because when you start fellowshipping and hanging out with Him, there's less things wrong that you got to pray about. Because you're just hanging out with Him. And He brings all of His power, all of His goodness, all of His miracles, all of His faithfulness, all of the things that He said He would do when we begin to cultivate a relationship with Him. I, have, I don't have to continue to ask for things because hanging around Him, I just begin to not make it about me. I experience Him. Amen? We're locating ourselves this morning because God wants us to have a relationship with Him. Let me sh share this from... Romans chapter 1. Forgot my glasses this morning. I just got new glasses a few years ago, maybe two years ago, and I'm already, they're the trifocal thing. And it was a humbling day in my life when I had to go to trifocals. 
But I'm noticing that they're already starting to change to where like, and that's even just another bugger. I'm thinking, dear God, even the bifocals, the trifocals are now not working the way they're supposed to. Something's happening. Amen. Maybe I need to just talk to the healer about that, huh? Amen. <laughs> so Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. It says, but God's angry displeasure erupted in, as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulated as people try to put a shroud over truth. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes, and there it is. By taking a long, thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mysteries of His divine being. So nobody has a good excuse what happens was that people knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat, uh, treat Him like God, refusing to worship Him, they trivialized themselves into uh, a silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in His hands for cheap figurines that you can buy at any roadside stand. Did you hear what that said? The Bible says that all creation cries out of the tangibility and the realness of God. And it said man did know God in a real tangible way at one time, but they stopped worshiping God. They stopped going after natural things. The power of God is available and was once known by man, but because we traded it and went after natural things, we've stopped experiencing the reality of who God is. We've stopped experiencing the power of God demonstrated in our life. And the reality is, is that God wants to know you. And He wants to know me in a real, in a tangible way. It's said that men went after natural things. Do you know that has always been what has come between us and God? Natural things. And once again, we're so good at it because we're natural. And this world is natural and negative, so it's just easy. But the question is, is what are we investing our time, tangibility, and shared experiences with? Are they things that draw us closer to God. You know, my wife and girls, they went to New York City just last week. It was Grayson's 16th birthday, and she's always wanted to go to New York, and so they just did like a surprise birthday party and went to New York to see all the glitz and the glamour. And, and when they first got there, here's the response of the first day. The first day was my daughter said, it's like being in a cardboard box with tall walls because you're in the city. And I thought, well, man, she must not like it as much as she thought. Well, then when they came home, they're like, oh, it was so awesome. Oh, we were so bummed that we had to leave. Oh, we want to go back there. It was so cool. Well, they just got out of their comfort zone. Has anybody went to New York City, Times Square? Anybody? If you've been there, you know that it's full of lights, right? 
full of lights and I mean, it's just lights everywhere. And while you're in the midst of the city, with all of the lights, if you tried to look up into the sky, it's impossible to see stars. They're there, but it's impossible to see them. Why? Because man's creation has overwhelmed the lights of God in the sky. If you just go 30 miles out of the city, look up into the sky and the stars are everywhere. And how we get distracted by natural things. That scripture tells us that God is everywhere in creation. Just look around and you'll see Him. How many of you believe that God is everywhere? Raise your hand. You believe that God is everywhere? Amen. I don't know that there was not a hand that wasn't raised in here. When I asked the question, do you believe that God is everywhere? And everybody said yes. Then how come you haven't found Him yet? If He's everywhere, how come we have such a hard time finding God? In fact, for that matter, we go to church and still can't find Him. Why? Because... We've invested in a lot of things that take our attention away from God. Amen? Let's stand. If you recall, the Bible says over in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon or the word mammon means is the, the riches of the world. The natural things of the world. He says you can't serve God in mammon. He said you'll be loyal to one and hate the other. Or you'll love the one and despise the other. I want you to take some personal inventory to locate yourself right now. Have we become distracted at pursuing things giving our time to things this is the hour that God so wants to visit us and be tangible and to be real and to be known and to know his voice in such a real way more than you even know the voice that you hear speaking at you right now and he says this you can't serve both both will pull a demand on you or want to draw you. One will try to force you. The other will say, I'm here all along. And then it says in Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added. See, He said, there is a tangible experience with God. There's a tangible experience of being free from depression, anxiety. There's a tangible experience of experiencing the power of God, of health and healing in your body. There is a tangible experience of experiencing a relationship, of knowing God, of having Him in the middle of your marriage. But He says you got to serve one over the other. He says you'll have to locate yourself and make a choice. 
Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things that you've been chasing after, they'll be added. Amen? Let's make a choice to take a turn. Head a different direction. And let's pursue God. Because these are days of visitation. God is not a God of hide and seek. He's a God of show and tell. And He is revealing Himself. I'll tell you this. My wife shared this with me just yesterday, I believe it was. And that is, is that if you recall, the Bible speaks of Daniel and he prayed to God. It says, but the prince of Persia or the demonic spiritual power of that area withstood God's answer. The devil is fighting tooth and nail for you to not experience God. You hear about the healing power of God and He's doing everything in His power to get you to doubt and not believe. But listen, there's a move of God in this church. There's a move of God in your marriage. There's a move of God in your family. There's a move of God in your money. There's a move of God in your physical body. Why? Because this is the hour that we're taking inventory, locating ourselves, and making a choice. Of seeking Him. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person that's here in this room. God, for those that may not know you as Lord in their life. Let me rephrase that, Lord. If there are those that are here in this room that have never asked Jesus into your heart. Father, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would draw them right now. And you simply, all you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. Father, I also pray for those that are here in this room that have asked you to come into their heart, but God, that have never yet made you the Lord of their life. God, I ask you right now that you're stirring our hearts to make adjustments and making you Lord. And God, we thank you that these are days, great days of experiences with you. Because God, you're real. And we give you all the thanks and praise. And everyone said, Amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.